more about co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas, and we're really glad you found us today. Kelly, how are you today? Hey, Lynn, I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm especially good since I'm sitting at your dining room table. It's exciting <laughs> to actually record in person. It's pretty, uh, it's a treat. I know. <laughs> it's very, very special. A uh, little different because we are not used to actually looking at each other. Yeah. But anyway, a, a joy nonetheless. So, um, well, I have a really cool topic, I think, to okay. talk about today. As you know, I subscribe to TED Talks and uh, <laughs> highlights of YouTubes, et cetera. And one came across my inbox the other day called How to Make Friends as an Adult. And I was fascinated because we talk a lot about that in our co-housing group and how we all came together. We didn't know each other before, most of us, and how we have developed relationships, you know, friendships or just good working relationships. So Anyway, I listened in and it's by Marissa Franco and she's the author of a book called Platonic. See, I think this is great too, Lynn, because we are recording this actually on Valentine's Day, which is of course, as everyone in America knows, the day after Galentine's Day. So it's also timely. Yes. And you can learn new things every day. I didn't know that until yesterday. So here you go. (laughs) There you go. And now if you didn't know it, you're learning it here with us. (laughs) So I just thought there's a few points that she made that I uh, wanted to draw out and just have a conversation about. So let's just dive right in. The first one was that she starts out her whole talk by saying that it's a a well-known fact that focus on collective connections are needed to make you whole. That we all know that no single unit family can feed or touch all parts of you. Ah, okay. So like you need something beyond your, you may have kind of collected a, a, you may be in a nuclear family or you may have collected a close family, but that no, you can't count on that to kind of be, you need to have broader connections in order to be. Oh, like no one person can satisfy all your needs. Yeah. And I think we kind of embark on adulthood and perhaps our first love relationships thinking that, oh, this person will complete me somehow, you know? <laughs> well, that's because of Terry Maguire, right? <laughs> or, or Jerry Maguire, whatever his name is. Yeah. You complete me. Yeah. So it turns out that's not true. It's not true. And go. in fact, I think if you were skeptical of that theory before COVID, you've probably had it proven to you during COVID because even people who had very... Uh, larger pods, bubbles during COVID, who lived together, had good relations with each other. Even those groups found themselves feeling slightly dissatisfied towards the end of it. They weren't getting all their needs met. Um, Certainly in my house, anybody who's ever heard me survive and complain through COVID (laughs) knows that very, everybody was unwilling to play any games with me at my house. I felt very dissatisfied with my bubble. (laughs) I always miss, and I very much miss during that time, the um, new information that you get from people. Do you know what I mean? So like, I've noticed that now that all three of my kids are in school, they go off for the day and then they come home with stories and can tell me 
things about the world and I can tell them things yeah. about my, what I've done during the day. Whereas if we're all together during the day, you sit down at the dinner table and you're like, well, how is your, oh, actually, I know exactly how your day was. <laughs> I know exactly what you did. I know exactly what happened. So yeah, I missed that a lot, that kind of- Well, you know, input. it's interesting you should mention that about dinner because that's a real shocker for anybody when they retire. Mm. So if you're at home retired with the same person, um, the conversation in the evening needs something different in order to make it come alive. Because you haven't been apart all day. Right. You've been in the same space all day. Oh, that's interesting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, I just thought that was really great. And I think we all post-COVID can relate mm -hmm. to it, even if we could not have before. Well, and I'm relating to it a little bit differently too, from a causing perspective, um, because I think about, so my role in my family is as, you know, the mom and the spouse um, but in co-housing, I wasn't that, I mean, I brought that role into co-housing, you know, I'm still a mom and a spouse, but, but I'm not playing that role. And so I sit down, you know, at a community dinner and it's not my job to tell people to get their elbows off the table or it's not yeah. my job Finish to like, yeah, or to even like ask, you know, how their day was and, you know, commiserate over you know, whatever. I can just be whoever I want to be. I can be just me. Um, which is different, you know, it's, you need to have like spaces where you can live out those different roles. And, um, and I think about when we first, uh, joined, uh, causing group, we, they were, they were trying to come to some sort of, you know, uh, consensus about something and we're kind of, you know, asking people what they thought about it and, you know, how they felt about it to try to, you know, nail down some of the details before they kind of brought it to a meeting. Mm -hmm. And so um, someone came and talked to me about it and asked me about it. And, and I said, well, um, well, I can tell you what my spouse thinks about it too. And this person was like, oh, thanks. We'll, we'll ask him. <laughs> like, like you're used to being this kind of complete unit, you know, and playing this role where you convey the information for your whole family and thanks, but no thanks. He's an adult too. We're going to ask, you know, him individually. And that really shaped for me this idea that I'm just one person showing up at a community meal or showing up at a community meeting or a work day or whatever. And that that's very freeing compared to the rest mm. of my life where I'm mm. much more entrenched in the roles that I play. Mm. So, I, I, you know what? I really like that. That's a bit of a segue, but I have to say that's always, that has become a thing that I'm bringing into other communities of mine where mm. people will ask me, what does your husband think? And I will sometimes now respond, well, ask him. Yes. And I might not have before. Yeah. So I think it's really very powerful coming into this group where you really get to just be you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the representative yeah. of all the people you're dragging along <laughs> yeah. behind you. They yeah, can be yeah. their, their people. Um, you know, the other thing that she, if we kind of move, she eventually moved into what the kind of headline topic mm -hmm. of her talk was, and that was about making friends and how this actually happens organically when you're a child. And she taught, she, there's this research from Rebecca G. Adams, a sociologist, and the quote that she let out with there, I just wrote it down right away. It just really grabbed me. For friendships to happen organically, you need to have repeated unplanned interactions and shared vulnerability. And this does happen naturally on the playgrounds, in classrooms, even up into college for young mm -hmm. people. And I think all of us can relate to this sense that something changed when we exited out the top of that, whatever level we finished at. Yeah. You know, as you age out of these institutions, 
it becomes harder and harder to immerse yourself in groups that do provide that repeated interactions. And for those people who walked into a very well-structured corporate environment, maybe they may have had some of that, but over time, the last couple of decades, even those of us who were in corporate environment found ourselves shifting more and more into global teams who interacted with each other across functions of a business Mm -hmm. in dispersed geographic locations. So I would sometimes go into the office at 7 a.m. and I would surface at noon having talked to nobody in my hallway. <laughs> right. But I had talked to Bangkok, right. uh, you know, Prague, Budapest, London, but nobody in Houston. Nobody Texas. right there. Yeah. So I wasn't building community yeah. or having those interactions. So I was even missing it out then. And then, of course, when COVID sent everybody home, you didn't even have lunches or coffee breaks or even running into each other in the bathroom. Yeah. So. I think for if as a stay-at-home mom, it was there was a um, big burst of when you first have kids, you know, mm-hmm. and you've got uh, play groups and going to the park and um, library story times are like you know a, a lifesaver and also a place where you just meet a lot of people and everybody is you know there are repeated interactions. Everybody is in a vulnerable state at that moment, trying to figure out yeah. kind of get their feet underneath them. And I have some very, very good friends that have come out of that time in life. But then, you know, you kind of sift through. It's not mm-hmm. like you keep revisiting that well. It's not like those, unlike your younger years where, you know, every four or two years, you know, you're switching a, a school program or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, so it keeps happening. Um, once you are beyond that, uh, it doesn't it doesn't really keep happening again. Um, also, the vulnerability isn't there because you're not really creating or building something with other people. Mm. So you don't really have an opportunity to be vulnerable with mm. other people in the way that you do. For example, if you live in co-housing and you all have to decide if, you know, can you live with the, you know, this pet policy or not? And then people have to talk really candidly about how they mm. feel about their own pets and other people's pets. And um, I think that that it gives you a different opportunity that you don't get elsewhere in mm. life necessarily. You know, that's a great lead into one of the next points I wanted to highlight, and that's transitions. Mm. You know, when you talked about these transitions, so transitioning to be a new mom makes you vulnerable because you realize where you're strong, where you're weak, and people are more willing to share. And when the kids change schools, and then, but then you go to this place where the kids are transitioning to the point where you're not at yeah. the school gate anymore. Yep. They don't want you to be seen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, if you're lucky, they'll let you drop it off in public view. Um, but so you're transitioned out. Yep. And so that is a moment in time when she said, people are actually very much more likely to engage in new connections. Mm. And I hadn't really thought about that until then I thought, wait a minute, this is what you and I have talked about. Yeah. What people do we find most open to talking to us about co-housing? And often it's when they're in a transition. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, yep. they're pregnant, having a baby. They're going to move from a small place to yep. a different size place. They, they're, you know, we, one family came to us because they realized that COVID really illuminated for them just how, how isolated they were and they needed to build a broader community around them. So they found themselves in a transition through that mechanism. Yep. So, retirement to a lot of people or empty uh, kids yeah empty nesters yeah. as soon as kids flee yeah I think that's another big one the other interesting transition that I think we've seen with some people are um when a spouse has passed away yes. and they find themselves uh newly single and yeah. how does that feel to them in the world yeah. and how how are they going to move forward with that 
Yeah, yeah it's very interesting, this transitioner. So mm-hmm. it did make make me think about our kind of coast. Do we need some sort of a, uh, you know, marketing, you know, tagline that, you know, invites people that are going through these different phases and, uh, yeah. you know, newly retired or <laughs> that sounds joyful, but newly widowed. No, that doesn't sound. Joyful. I know. And yet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then sort of the, that kind of leads you into a another component of this repeated connections that I like the way she highlighted it because I had not really ever written it down in any of my journaling or anything, but mm-hmm. it just the light bulb went on for me. She talks about the exposure effect. Okay. And, you know, she said, you will notice that you tend to like people just because they are familiar. (laughs) And on first blush, you might reject that sentiment because people you're more familiar with sometimes become more irritating to you. (laughs) But if I reflect back on the period that either like starting a new work team or some of the groups I've become involved in since I retired, I do notice that that my first blush assessment of people is, um, maybe I'm categorizing them into, okay, I could be really good friends with this person, or I find this person annoying, or I don't think we'll ever be close. And what I notice over time, if I think back on those particular situations, is that the more I'm exposed to somebody, the more I like them, the more I integrate them, the more I understand them, yeah. the more I can see their the the what they bring to the group that is a value to them, to the group, and to me as well. Yeah. And, there's just a lot of joy in that. And if I think about co-housing, it gives me a lot of uh, confidence that those people who are going to be attracted to our group are going to be people that even though maybe on their way in the door the first time, I might think, "Eh, I don't know, I might not be inviting them over for tea a lot. But I bet you after time, 99.9% of them are all going to be kind of in the inner group and there'll be this feeling of connectedness that comes from these exposures and repeated connections. Well, that makes you wonder, like, are the people you see the most, are they the people you like the most or are the people you like the most, the people you see the most, which comes, you know, which comes first. And I don't know, because I do think there's something to it, but it made me laugh, Lynn, because um, this idea of like, the more, you know, the time goes on that they change in your, in your viewpoint. There's like a Mark Twain quote that when he was like 14, his father was so terrible. He could hardly stand him. But then he was 21 and he was amazed how much the old man had grown. And really he had just grown up. But I think about that, like you just, you know, have these interactions with people and those interactions are what shape your perception of the person yeah. that they're not really changing. They're the same person who showed up at the yeah. beginning. Well, it's something that you've often talked about when we talk about consensus and discussions and consensus about kind of rubbing off the rough edges. Yeah. And I think about that too, in terms of this exposure effect, it's like we throw these rougher rocks in the pond or the river. And as the, 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 the stream of life flows over us, they sort of, you know, they bump up against each other. They roll around yeah. against each other and we kind of rub each other into this smooth kind of beautiful I mean I'm waxing way too ridiculous <laughs> poetically exactly about it <laughs> but anyway the river and the pebbles yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is good my writing would be critiquing you know, so. <laughs> yeah I was thinking about that too in terms of um not only you know people who you meet for the first time but one of the things this is exposure effect one of the things that I experienced was not only 
your community members because there comes a point where the exposure effect, like you know them. So therefore yeah. it's, it isn't really in play anymore. But one of the things about having a group of people who you regularly do things with is that then they uh, often invite people who they know. Mm. And so now you have an exposure effect of a larger group of people who you may not know them because you know you have encountered them mm. in your own life. They're not even a friend that you are trying to make, mm. but rather this person who kind of keeps comes to dinner, you know, a couple times a year or whatever, and then you run into them at the grocery store and then you know them. It builds that kind of broader social circle for mm -hmm. you um, in a way that I think gives you that kind of cushion of friendship out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, they're not even like your good close friends, but they're your kind of next level group right, of people. Right, right. So That's I like that about it. Well, I mean, those are really the main highlights that I had from that talk. That's I can highly recommend it to anybody. I just, um, it does make me think about when people really challenge us in some of our information sessions, you know, what if you don't like somebody, what yeah. is this? And, you know, I, I keep coming back to the fact that I'm really looking to be in a community where we work well together, yeah. where we're stronger and we are better together. Yep. We might not all be socializing at the same level. And I can play games with you, you know. <laughs> and and do consensus decisions with you yeah. and cook with you and I don't have to be your you know BFF forever yeah. you know it's but you are a part of what makes me more tethered and more grounded and more yep. secure in the life that I live in and that makes me feel good it's nice it's both a very meaningful relationship and yet also a very light one yeah it's I yeah. like that yeah, strong and light at mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah. Well, thanks. Appreciate this thanks, conversation. Lynn. Thanks for coming to the yeah. table for oh, this. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston.